Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, Light 100.5 WRCH, and also 96.5 TIC, welcoming you to this morning's Face Connecticut. We're going to be talking all about maple syrup, and I have two guests, Brian Hurlbert, the Connecticut Agricultural Commissioner, Good morning, Brian, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having us, and thanks for promoting Connecticut Maple Weekend this weekend for us. Happy to have you on the show, and we're also joined with Matt Wilkinson. He's the president of the Maple Syrup Producers Association of Connecticut. Good morning, Matt. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having us. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Brian, this isn't necessarily the first official Maple Syrup Weekend in Connecticut, a big weekend that many people look forward to come mid-March. But it's the first official one since COVID hit, right? This is certainly the the first real kickoff since COVID again, and trying to get people out and about, and and uh, getting people out of their homes and visiting the the houses. What makes Maple Weekend so special in Connecticut? There are some people who may not even be aware that maple is a really big, important aspect of Connecticut's agriculture, and that's true. It is a big part of it. It is. In, in Connecticut, we produce over 20,000 gallons um, annually, which generates uh, over a million and a half dollars of sales for, for our maple operations. But I'll let Matt answer why it's such a great weekend and, and what families could uh, can look forward to uh, when they're visiting the houses around the state. Um, so I think the kind of one of the important pieces to it or the exciting things about it is it's the first real um, agricultural harvest, so to speak, uh, of the year. It's uh, uh, you know, the, it's kickoff of spring. The, the winter is finally over. Um, so it's a great chance to get outside uh, the smells and the sights of maple. It's, it's one of those quintessential New England activities, as, uh, you know, maple, making maple syrup. And it's, it's just it's such a great chance for a family to get out and, uh, and do things together. And, and the, uh, the Maple Weekend you know, is a great opportunity for young kids to see what's going on and, and kind of get a, a little bit of hands-on with agriculture. Maple Weekend in Connecticut is 
kind of a weekend where everyone is going around. They're doing a little bit of shopping. They're buying maple syrup. There are demonstrations, depending on where you go, where you can actually watch how maple syrup is produced. And so that leads me to my next question. How is maple syrup produced? What goes into it? A lot of people, they enjoy it on their pancakes, but they don't know exactly what goes into the process of making maple syrup. Could you talk about that a little bit? Uh, sure. So we, we uh, start out by out in the woods. We tap our trees, um, either with buckets or with tubing systems. And then we collect the sap and then um, either hopefully goes to your sugar house or we truck it to the sugar houses, depending on where your woods are located. And then um, either start boiling it or some of the larger producers will use reverse osmosis machines to take some of the water out of sap. Uh, just what it does, it just makes the boiling process a little bit more efficient, a um, little bit more, uh, less time involved. Um, and then we boil it to about seven degrees above the boiling temperature of water uh, on that day. And that gets maple syrup. So they're, the only ingredients is pure maple sap. It takes about between 40, 53 gallons of sap to make a gallon of maple syrup. Uh, later in the season, as the sugar content starts to drop, it takes a little bit more. So it is a, it's a pretty significant amount of sap involved in the harvest process to, uh, to get those gallons of maple syrup. And I'm curious, how much sap can your average tree put out per season? Uh, so it depends on the number of runs that season, but an average tree will put out uh, between a half and a gallon and a half a day, uh, depending on how good the run is. And generally in Connecticut, uh, just because we have some temperature swings, a little bit, uh, a little bit of unpredictability in our seasons here, uh, a tree will give you 20 to 30, 40 gallons of uh, sap per year um, on a really good year. You'll get up those higher numbers. It's true that the colder nights, the slightly warmer days, that is helpful for the maple crop, correct? Yes, we, we want uh, 20 degrees at night and 40 degrees or so during the day. Uh, those those freezes at night help recharge the sugars in the sap, um, as well as the, the temperature changes uh, cause the sap to flow up and down through the tree. And that's how we get our sap runs. Uh, once we stop getting those freezes, the, the tree sort of reach a, reaches a little bit of a homostasis point or whatever, a little bit of a balance and uh, the sap quits to run. And then uh, when we get those higher temperatures, sap actually spoils very quickly and uh, does not make very good syrup. Is there a difference in taste? If I were to get maple syrup that was made from sap that was perhaps uh, tapped in Burlington, for example, in or somewhere in western Connecticut, versus sap that made maple syrup in eastern Connecticut. Is there a difference in the taste? Is there a variety? Well, there are varieties, but it's more uh, based on the coloring and flavoring, and that will be consistently graded across the state, um, either the, the lights, ambers, darks, uh, very darks. The uh, taste, though, is very different from every sugar bush, and it's 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 contributed to by the the soils, the minerals in the ground, uh, the uh, how much moisture that particular sugar bush had, the temperatures uh, those days. Uh, so every sugar bush provides a slightly different flavors. Um, sometimes there are very subtle differences, uh, but there are are definitely differences in the flavors. Question for Brian, as we go about Maple Weekend this weekend here in Connecticut, and of course we're speaking with Brian Holbert. He's one half of our guest today, uh, the Connecticut Agricultural Commissioner. I'm curious, how can people go and learn what kind of event there are going on this weekend? There are many of them and across the state. Could you talk a little bit about the organization of them? Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> folks can go to CT Maple. 
maplesierproducers.org, um, um, uh, Maple Weekend, uh, to learn more. That's the Connecticut Maple Syrup Producers Association uh, website. Um, and just or just Google Connecticut Maple Weekend. Um, and you can find uh, the, the Maple Syrup Association did a really nice job of identifying participating venues um, by town. So you can look for a local venue or if you want to do a day trip and get out, you know, see some place that you haven't been in a little while across the state, um, head across the state and visit a sugar house. Um, and uh, if you visit our ctgrownmap.org, uh, you will be able to see, you know, what other farm events uh, or opportunities are around that that neighborhood. Brian, are you going to be stopping by any places this weekend? Any favorites? Any places maybe you haven't tried before? I I, I can't claim any favorites um, for fear of what that would do to me in my position. Um, but uh, yes, we are planning on uh, not only bringing my my family out, but um, uh, bring my brother and his wife and my brother-in-law and his family out to, to visit some, uh, Mabel, uh, houses this weekend, um, so that they can get the full experience as well and, and you know, and get the kids, uh, and, and really interested in it. I mean, when you're, when you're saying you're going to do a family outing, um, you know, you might not get the greatest response when you say you're going to go visit a sugar shack. Um, I think the kids are going to be a little bit more excited. Coming out of COVID-19, is there a lot of demand for people to get out and go to check out these Maple Shows? Because I don't think that there have been many opportunities to do that the last two years. What, what we've seen, um, especially during COVID-19, and, and we launched the, the Revised Kinetic Grown campaign about a year ago, um, is, is that people are really interested in supporting their local businesses. And, and COVID-19 really uh, reinforced that community spirit. Um, and part of the benefit that, um, that that extended into was Connecticut Farms. Connecticut Farms are local businesses. Um, they're producing great products. Um, as we saw in grocery stores, when um, supply chains got disrupted, there was a lack of, of variety. But if you go to your local farm, you have everything there. Um, and so we have seen during the course of COVID-19, people turning back to their communities, back to their farms in a more uh, renewed interest in supporting them. So um, it's our goal that events like this, um, uh, uh, the different agritourism events across the year, will continue to reinforce that. And, and we use the Connecticut Grown campaign um, on a, a, on a month-long you know, annual basis to make sure that we are um, regularly um, promoting what's in season, where to go, and how you can support connected agriculture. What kind of planning goes into the Maple events typically? Do you reach out to them? Do they reach out to you? Is it a big collaboration? Uh, are some of these, uh, for example, one that comes to mind, the Hebron Maple Fest, uh, that has been going on for many, many years. Is it just the same thing every year? What goes into the planning of these events? Uh, I'll let Matt answer that because the Maple Syrup Association does does a great job working with their members um, to provide you know the individual members with that information and then coordinate it at the state level. So Matt, thanks, Brett. So uh, Hebron actually is run by a separate organization, and they've they've been running it for years. Within the association, though, um, at our annual meetings, we have done uh, some training sessions for our members about how to run a successful open house how to advertise yourself, how to do, uh, you, you know, some grassroots marketing techniques. Um, and, and we've worked with uh, Brian, particularly the last couple of years, um, the Department of Ag gave us a lot of COVID-19 guidance, like how we could keep open um, and with, you know, uh, by appointment visits and, and some, pro uh, some 
you know, cautionary protocols to use and stuff. So uh, we then passed all that information on to our members and work with educating them. Uh, we've also had insurance companies in to kind of help them out. Like, how do you uh, keep that liability uh, under control at your farm? Uh, you know, what do you, some, some techniques and things to keep a nice, safe, uh, enjoyable event for everybody. Um, and then we uh, also do some uh, assistance with promotion for the individual sugar houses as well as we work with, uh, you know, Brian and his crew, they, they help us a tremendous amount, um, you know, pushing things to like the, the, the CT tourism uh, groups. And then uh, we also try to work with uh, the other uh, organizations like the Heap and Maple Fest, um, the Ports, uh, Port, shoot, Portland has a festival, uh, uh, like Tim Gannon at Primarily Farm, some of the other uh, nonprofits and, and, uh, and town-owned and, and uh agencies out there just to uh, kind of keep a consistent timeline that the events happen, the consistent messaging out there and help uh, each other advertise kind of shared advertising. Uh, like Brian said, it's, this is a, this is a huge agritourism opportunity for us. Uh, uh, maple syrup. It's a, you know, it's not an insignificant amount of money, but it is a small industry in the state. Um, and, and it's a lot of uh, farm to, to, to uh, consumer sales. Um, either through farmers markets or directed to sugar houses and stuff. And so these are really important events for us um, as well as we love maple syrup. We love to, to show people how it's done and, and uh, uh, you know, just uh, be there for a, for a great spring event. Um, so it's a, it's really important for us for it to be successful. And so there's a lot of work. There's a lot of cleaning the sugar house. There's a lot of setup, uh, making sure parking's okay for people coming in and out of those sugar houses uh, you know, setting up the products, getting uh, volunteers or family roped into helping with sales and helping, uh, you know, help guests get in and out of the, the sugar house and stuff. Um, so it's a, but it's something that the association has worked very hard to make sure our members are successful at it and that we're, we're all doing it safely too. So. And a great product to share, right? I mean, that, that's yeah, yeah. the ticket, right, Matt? I mean, you know, it's, it's maple syrup, it's, it's the maple candies. Um, and you want to make sure that, as you said, you know, families have a, have a safe and welcome environment to do it. Um, and and the, the product will, will draw people out there. It's just organizing the, the logistics and the, and the setup around it. Yes. Yep. Another quick question for Matt Wilkinson. And of course, we're talking with Matt. He's the president of the Maple Syrup Producers Association of Connecticut. The last two years, COVID-19, it disrupted everything, every kind of industry that there can be thought of. Uh, how did these maple syrup producers get by? Were they partnering with stores? Were they shipping out goods? If they couldn't be part of a maple festival in their community at large, what were they doing to stay afloat? We have very only a couple uh, producers in the state are are full time producers. Bulk of us are uh, something else. Um, it's a sort of additive piece to either the farm or or, uh, or sideline business. But um, like, like Brian said, we actually uh, a lot of people ventured into online sales which really helped a lot um, as well as more of our producers uh, kind of reached out to the farmers market side of the house or started to work with farmers markets um, just like Brian had said we saw actually increased sales in the last couple of years um, and, a, and a large renewed interest in, in local grown um, and uh, you know, so I would say our, we we sold the bulk of our products personally at, at farmers markets um, the word of mouth, the sugar house sales, that didn't necessarily suffer. Um, and the, the, what did, what we did, our sales were, were spread over the year more so than normal. Um, normally we have a big bulk sales at this, this time of the year um, with the maple weekend. So I think producers saw their sales spread over the year a little bit more. Um, but I, I think 
speaking with the producers around the state, most saw an increase in sales um, so for the last couple of years, which is a good thing for our industry. Well, and, and one of the things that we did on the onset of, of COVID-19 when the, in the Lamont administration um, is that we deemed farming, farmers markets, farm stores as essential. Um, so they had the ability to remain open um, and uh, receive customers. Now, the way they've done it versus years past is Matt was just saying, you know, maybe it was by appointment, maybe it's limited hours or limited people in the, in the store, um, but they were able to stay open they were able to get to markets um, and they were able to, to um, have customers. So that was really critical. Um, we recognized early that, you know, biz- farms are businesses, farms provide food. Um, this was a, this is an important opportunity to maintain not only for the economy, but for food access. A crisis of another kind, really. Gypsy moths. A few years ago, I remember that gypsy moths were particularly an issue in eastern Connecticut. They moved west a little bit, but it was really eastern Connecticut that was hardest hit by the gypsy moths. Did that impact maple agriculture in Connecticut? Uh, we had some minor impacts. Uh, for they, they oddly, I think the oaks took a harder hit than the maples did, um, as far as tree health did. Um, however, up north, uh, Connecticut suffered slightly from it. Um, there are areas in New York and Vermont that had large scale def- uh, defoliation and they really did take a hit. Um, it does seem like they've pretty much recovered. Um, the good news is the maples are a lot more resilient than um, some of the other, say the oaks that hit, got hit harder. So the next year they bounced right back and, and uh, I didn't hear of any large scale losses in any of the sugar bushes. We're, we're a little more concerned about the spotted lantern fly, to be honest. <laughs> Oh, yes, the spotted lanternfly, which started to come into Connecticut from the west, I believe, is where it was detected. Uh, southwest Connecticut was where it was first detected, right? Uh, yes, it started yep. to move over. Yeah. What kind of threat does that pose to maples? Um, I, you know, and, and Brian, you may be a little more spun about it. We're not sure. It's, I think, the bottom line. Um, it does have, they do have some issues with uh some issues with with maples, um, but it's I think it's just it's like any of the other invasives is uh, like the emerald ash borer beetle. They take out the ashes. That doesn't mean eventually they might move under another species. So that's it, just it's a big concern to us for watching for that. Well, and, and what we're concerned with is um, the impact of climate change on all agriculture. Um, and and it's not just um, varying temperatures um, or more intense, more frequent, you know, storms of 100 year levels but also the ability for these invasive pests to move in and, and stay here. Um, and so um, we're very concerned that um, if we're not proactive managing these things, that um, that it'll be too late and, and being reactive won't be enough, um, which is why we work with the industry and, and um, the Connecticut Agricultural Experiment Station, University of Connecticut um, College of Ag Extension, to promote, um, disseminate educational materials, let people be aware of what to look for, um, uh, not only farmers, but for consumers too. Um, so they can be um, part of the, the controls. And I think I heard something, Brian, and maybe this is a, a good question for you, Brian Holbert, the Connecticut Agricultural Commissioner. There was a tree tap at uh, the Capitol in Hartford, right, for maple syrup. I think I heard about that a few weeks ago. That that was, and, and I'll give credit where credit is due. That was Matt's idea. He he said we've been trying oh, yeah? to run. Great. These, yeah. Um. He, he said we've been trying to do the ceremonial tappings, and we you know last year we got delayed, but with with COVID, and and we were out at, at uh, the lieutenant governor and I were out at Lamont Sugar House, um, two years ago, um, with a, with a tree tapping, and he goes, you know, we want to do one of these things. He goes, what about you know, uh, um, being on the Capitol grounds. And um, the Capitol grounds are very difficult to organize events at um, because it's a a historic um, uh, property. 
Um, and I said, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. And uh, we did. We had, a, we had a great ceremony with Lieutenant Governor Senator Kathy Austin joined us, uh, a number of members of the Maple Syrup Producers Association, um, some members of the, of the beginning of the Connecticut Farmer Veteran Coalition. Um, and we we're able to, to tap a historic maple on the Capitol grounds. Um, yeah, so it was a great, great way to celebrate uh, Connecticut's heritage and culture and future. One thing I didn't think about there was, like you said, the logistics of doing that on such a historic property. What, how did you guys work around that? We had a lot of people whose response was, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. And it just kept moving along the chain. And, and eventually we got the appropriate approvals. Um, I think everybody thought it was a pretty neat idea. Um, it was just, you know, um, what needs to be done to, to make it happen. And, and because it was such a neat idea, um, we had a, a lot of willingness to, to work through it. And I'm assuming that the tree put out some good sap. Yes. <laughs> well, we, yes, it's a, it was a, it's a, actually it was probably a 200 year old maple of the grounds. Um, so it was, and they're well cared for, the trees are well cared for on the Capitol grounds. So it was definitely a healthy one. Does it matter how old the tree is when you're tapping it for sap? Is it better if it's older, younger? Does it not matter? Uh, it, it has. It doesn't matter on so much on the age, um, but they have to be at least 12 inches in di diameter, which is generally a 35 to 40 year old tree before we tap them. So it is. We're we are very much in the sustainability business, <laughs> so we, we want them around for years to come. What happens if somebody can't get out? For the remainder of this weekend, they miss Maple Weekend, maybe they're out of state, whatever the case may be. Are there opportunities to buy maple products in Connecticut during the year? Sure. Um, just about all year long, the, there are several stores. A lot of the grocery stores have Connecticut uh, maple from some of the different producers around the state, and they're on their shelves. Um, the other thing is during the market season, um, both indoor winter markets and the summer mar farmers markets, there is a maple vendor at I would pretty much say every farmer's market in the state um, so that you can go out and support it and then uh, if you go on our website there's a, a listing of all the sugar houses that are open and they they may not be boiling but most of them will do on-site sales year-round also so going forward are you already thinking about what to do next year <laughs> uh sure we're we're uh i, I got a challenge fine to a harder uh ceremonial tapping season for next year <laughs> uh, th that'll that'll be difficult to do that'll be um a challenge, but but I think we're up for it. I think we've had um, some great successes with great interest, and um, and it's you know it's it is a local industry. You know, there's not not every state in the nation produces um, maple syrup, and so it's something that we should celebrate. It's it's you know truly a Connecticut um, product, and um, so we'll figure it out. Um, I'll I'll let Matt get through this weekend before we start planning next year, though. Yeah, give me a couple of nights of sleep after that. <laughs> Tell him how many nights you like. So when when the when the sap runs. You've got to boil it within 24 to 48 hours. It's not like, you know, Matt can can aggregate all of the sap and then on a nice cozy Saturday after he's, you know, had a big breakfast of, you know, pancakes and, and Connecticut bacon, you know, head out to the to the sugar house and, you know, take his time. It's when it happens, it needs to happen. And it doesn't happen generally, you know, during regular office hours. <laughs> no, it's a it's a. Uh, basically it's about a six week season, um, but it's very intense. And, uh, and, and Brian's right. I, uh, Monday night, I was boiling until two 30 in the morning and then get up at five 30 and go to work the next morning. So it is, uh, 
we we do it because we have a passion for it and a love for it. Um, it it's it's certainly not because it's convenient, uh, but uh, it is. Uh, there's a lot of late nights, a lot of long long days uh, during the season boiling. Um, but frankly, or short. Fortunately, it's a short season, so that we can recover afterwards. <laughs> One last question: Do you guys have? Any stories from people who come from out of state into Connecticut? You know, maybe people from neighboring New York or Massachusetts or Rhode Island. They like going to a particular house or they've bumped into you guys before and you hear their stories about a weekend in Connecticut. Any stories like that? I've run into at some farmer's markets, people that cut are, are vacationing. And I think Korea and Japan were the farthest away I've seen. <laughs> I've heard of visitors who are coming. I, I don't have uh, an out-of-state um, example, but I will say every time we do one of these, I learn a new way or a new um, uh, product that incorporates uh, maple syrup. So um, earlier today, we were, we were um, at, at the sugar house at Parmley Farm, and somebody was mentioning putting maple syrup in your tea. Somebody puts it in their coffee. Um, putting it on vanilla ice cream is always a, a great way. You know, obviously pancakes is, you know, and, and waffles are the, the traditional. Um, but there's a lot of interest also in the, with the Connecticut brewers um, to incorporate maple syrup into um, uh, their beers, their craft beers. So um, there's a lot of ways to, to celebrate um, and, and enjoy maple syrup. And, and I keep hearing of new ones every time. Maple syrup cotton candy was one that I discovered oh, once. Yeah. Cotton yeah, candy. Yeah, there's a guy out in Northeast Connecticut who does a, who does a, a significant amount of maple syrup cotton candy in, at the Cobbview Farmer's Market. Yeah. I'd like to thank both of our guests on Face Connecticut. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Brian Herbert, the Connecticut Agricultural Commissioner, and Matt Wilkinson, too. He joined us, the president of the Maple Syrup Producers Association of Connecticut. Thanks for talking maple with me, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much for having us. And I'd like to thank you for tuning in to this week's Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 